0: the class of 76. For many, high school is a time of learning, discovery, transition, and change. Friendships and relationships are forged and broken, memories are made, and a development occurs between youth and adulthood. In the SCP universe, these themes are present in the narrative of the class of 76, but they're placed under the veneer of anomalous activity. The Class of 76 is a fairly loose narrative, and represents more of a general theme of nostalgia and days gone by, but there's plenty of unnerving and strange flavor to go with it. Let's start by looking at SCP-1833, which is actually titled The Class of 76. 1833 is a copy of a 1976 edition of a high school yearbook, with reflections of 76 on the cover. We can see a page from the yearbook and the prelude to the Remembrance series of tales which we'll cover soon. The page seems to be a fairly standard display of some of the graduating class, although it seems some pictures are missing, and some of the students quotes are a little odd. Statements such as, What a wonderful year, too bad that idiot had to spoil it, or I hope that one day blank gets cancer hint at something rather unfortunate occurring in 1976 at the high school. The page really gets strange however at the bottom with one girl's picture missing her nose and eyes and another with what looks like only two scratches down his face. Back at SCP 1833 anyone that reads that copy of the yearbook if they have graduated from high school will perceive it as their own high school's yearbook It will contain messages from people who they associated with during high school, and initially these messages will be highly positive and encouraging. After reading through 10 pages of the book, however, the messages will become more negative, recounting events from the subjects high school years that they are embarrassed or remorseful about. Further messages will discuss events past high school and begin to make personal attacks against the reader. Pictures in the book at this point will feature heavily deformed people. After 20 to 30 pages, the reader will find themselves in pictures depicting embarrassing events from their high school years, but these will continue to progress into disturbing scenarios of the reader committing crimes and being mutilated. Well, it's certainly odd, obviously, since it's an SCP, but by itself it's not particularly special. There are a handful of other scps linked from within 1833, however, that also deal with the class of 76. 1833 mentions a marching band seen in the background of a photo, linking to scp-332. We learn right away that scp-332 is the entire class of 1976 Kirk Lawnwood High School marching band, consisting of 30 humanoids wearing band uniforms. The name Syncope Symphony has been engraved into each of their instruments, a name we'll hear more of later, and one you might recognize as making a brief appearance in SCP-3935. Syncope is another term for fainting, or loss of consciousness. Members of SCP-332 stood in the same place on the former Kirk Lonwood High School football field for over 30 years, without suffering from hunger, pain, or exposure to the elements. Occasionally some of them will be seen struggling with an unseen force momentarily before returning to their normal state. Once every 48 hours, SCP-332 will disappear, reappearing at some other population center, such as a major tourist attraction, or even facilities that regularly host marching bands. SCP-332 will proceed to march around the perimeter of the area for 15 to 45 minutes, followed by playing an arrangement of music. Anyone that hears the music will be compelled to find an instrument and join 332, playing music until they pass out. Those that can't find an instrument within 10 minutes will join regardless, miming an instrument and mimicking the sound with their mouths those that pass out will likely be trampled by the others. For every 10 people that join 332, the area of 332's effect will grow by 300 meters, continuing to cause more and more people to join, unless everyone that has joined is either terminated or incapacitated. At this point, 332 will return to their prior location. SCP-332 was first activated in 1976, at the Lawnwood High School, and the foundation possesses a damaged videotape of the event. The school's marching band begins assembling on the field while someone records it through a window. A woman is heard mentioning that something is unusual about the band's uniforms, and another woman mentions Syncope Symphony, a band equipment supplier that she can't find any information on. The band begins to perform for an audience, who quickly exhibit signs of distress. The band begins activating as SCP-332 does, and a commotion starts in the room where the camera is located, causing the camera to fall to the ground. Seven minutes later, something picks up the camera and pans it around the room to show a number of bodies, and it shows the band still performing before shutting off. The foundation came in soon afterwards to contain SCP-332. We still have a lot of questions, as we don't know what syncope symphony is, what caused the band to become anomalous, what killed the people filming the band, who picked up the camera, and who the mysterious person is in the band photo. Before we get into the story however, let's look at some other scps connected to the class of 76. SCP-1423 is a polaroid photograph from 1976 depicting several unidentified teenagers and the words We've had a great year, haven't we? written on the back in charcoal Whenever someone holds 1423 They will begin to reminisce about the last summer vacation they had in high school over the next several weeks Those that didn't attend high school or didn't have a summer vacation will instead reminisce about the last summer they experienced. Affected subjects will progress to actively revisiting locations from their memories, as well as contacting others they contacted during that time. They will experience feelings of regret while revisiting, noting that they didn't experience as much as they could have. Attempts to recreate the experiences from their memories will result in immense dissatisfaction. Afterwards, they will become possessive of 1423, and begin to experience dreams of their idealized version of past vacations, which increase in clarity the longer they possess 1423. After three to five months of this, however, their dreams will begin incorporating more and more elements not related to their original experience. 1423 was recovered from the home of a man who had been reported missing, but it was really simply obsessed with 1423. A higher dosage of amnestics was administered to the man after the foundation discovered he had previously received amnestics in 1976, when witnessing the first activation of scp-332. scp-1423 is clearly tapping into many people's feelings of nostalgia and the bygone days of youth and although many people long to recapture these moments, it's nothing but a fading dream. The words, we've had a great year, haven't we, appear on the back cover of the 1976 Kirk Lonwood yearbook as well, along with, don't worry about waiting for the reunion, I'm sure we'll see each other soon enough. Lots of love from all of your best friends. This links us to scp 2316 a cognito hazard that the foundation is very careful about discussing. The principal phrase of 2316 is you do not recognize the bodies in the water. This phrase is repeated a number of times throughout the document and a foundation member accessing the document must regularly say into a microphone that they do not recognize the bodies in the water. The water in question is a lake, likely located somewhere in the United States, and the foundation have fenced off and quarantined the entire lake, using personnel to patrol it that have no knowledge of 2316. Anyone that comes within 50 meters of the lake is considered lost. The bodies in question are a number of human corpses floating in a small group, and are apparently unrecognizable. Those that view the corpses believe them to be human beings they recognize, typically from their childhood. This effect also extends to simply being aware of certain characteristics of 2316, thus the precautions. Affected individuals will feel compelled to go into the lake where they are lost, with to date none of them recovered. It's theorized that 2316 is not a number of individual entities, but is in fact a singular conscious, basically a hive mind functioning as one. On the surface, that's it for 2316, a rather odd cognitohazard that only poses a danger to those that view the bodies or become aware of certain characteristics, causing them to enter the lake and never be seen again. There's more, however as there are a number of footnotes spread across 2316's document that don't seem to be written by any foundation member. The first one reads, I know who they are, I know their names, each and every one of them, don't you? The second reads, they're lying, they know damn well who they are. The cognitohazard is real, but it's just their way of crying for help of letting people know who they are, who they were. The third reads, how can you not recognize the bodies in the water? The fourth reads, they don't want to show you, but I will. Accessing some hidden addendums reveals further information, a dialogue between a doctor and a redacted individual, although the blacked out text actually reads, You do not recognize the bodies in the water." According to their conversation, the individual went into the lake because the bodies were of his friends, people they'd known their entire life. There was something wrong with their faces though, like a person in a dream that you can't quite remember, and they were speaking into the individual's mind, asking for help. The individual insists that the foundation knows all of the body's identities, but is trying to hide it. The individual then mentions Birchwood High School, and the text links to scp 1833, the yearbook. Technically, 1833 doesn't specifically say it's the yearbook of Kirk Lawnwood High School, so it's possible that more than one high school was affected by anomalies in 1976. The final piece of text in the article urges the reader to go to the lake and look into the eyes of the bodies there, as they are your friends and classmates. It says that in the fall of 1975, you and the others took a trip to the lake, the year we were supposed to graduate. You got away, but the others are still there, at the bottom of the lake, waiting to be reunited. They're waiting for you. Creepy, yes, but also potentially sad, and most of all, interesting. The foundation insists that 2316 is nothing more than a mental anomaly that convinces people that their friends' bodies are in the lake and they should join them. Some rogue individual or force, however, has infiltrated the foundation's archives to insert their own perspective. Since we can really only view this situation through the lens of the SCP foundation, it's difficult to say what exactly the truth is. The point remains, though, that this is another SCP that deals with memory, tying it together with the general themes of the class of 76, whether it's the kirk Lawnwood High School or some other one. It's time, though, to put a narrative together about the class of 76, and that takes us to the Remembrance series of tales. You've already seen the yearbook page that starts the tale, but the first part takes the form of a journal, written by a senior at the school named Lee. Lee collects coins, has plans to do something in engineering once he graduates, and notably is a member of the Kirklawnwood marching band. The next entry is mostly typical material, but the following one discusses a football game where the Kirklawnwood team massacred the opposition. The coach apparently joked that the success was due to the team's new uniforms, which they bought from a cheaper place, named Cinephone or something. Lee hopes that the marching band gets new uniforms as well. Why a company that apparently deals in musical instruments would also sell football uniforms is a bit of a mystery. Another journal entry shows Lee went to a new music store downtown, named syncope symphony, calling it really excellent. He received a big discount for being a Kirk Lonwood student, and then says he plans on going back soon. He just has to close his eyes and follow the beat. This seems to suggest that the store itself is an anomaly. Further entries seem to show that Lee is developing some problems with his memory. He mentions hanging out with a girl named Cindy, and they decided to go to a movie theater, but he doesn't even remember what movie they saw, despite it presumably being only hours prior. The next entry starts by him saying that he just remembered something from the other day, that a lot of stuff in town was closing up, including the grocer and the barber. Despite this, the Syncope Symphony Store was still open, although Lee refers to it as that Sinoco Store. He says the store had different people working there, they were all really strange. One employee spent two hours mopping the same spot of floor, whistling the same 10 second tune over and over. This also reveals that Lee spent two hours inside of the store, and yet can't remember the name of it. Another entry says that the marching band was given pills to take daily as part of their new training schedule. Lee's journal entries begin to grow even stranger, with him remarking that the band marches in solidarity, together unified with the miracle of sound, and that someone has to keep the beat to the world. He writes that the radio sounded really good today, the sound slithered through the holes in the fiber cloth, curling around the wooden frame, and emanating itself to him. They apparently listened to the radio for three days straight, and didn't even notice. Lee's final entry reads, Before we met, I was a pitcher of water, sloshing around and holding all my notions in my skull. My flow was stagnant, and I couldn't walk with my fellows. We had to break the glass, let it fall to pieces, let it sink into the sides of our heads rattles around until all the pieces catch. I needed you to put it back together again, with the cracks showing. It comes in like a fountain now, and I know so much. I remembered how we used to sing. A lot of references to memory and music, and it seems that Lee and the rest of the marching band have been deeply affected by the anomalies of Syncope Symphony. The next part of the tale is a series of announcements sent out to the school. One of them reminds the students to donate to the fundraiser for extracurricular activities, despite Syncope being very generous with their donations. Another announcement mentions that a new lunch menu is being introduced offered free to any student in a program sponsored by syncope. One reads, students, if you feel strong enough, please rest with our brothers, see how the formula all comes together to make one tablature. And another tells the students to stand with them for the pledge of symphonic allegiance, and sing your hearts out with style. The final two announcements read. Some have said that it was the new system that caused them to part. Those of you who do are warned. The director will hear of anything we say. He's listening to all of us now, hearing the rhythm of the panting and the running crowds. The bells and the blackboards. It's harmony. And students are reminded that only band members are permitted off school premises. Any violators will deal with their own consequences. They have only damned themselves with their own actions. Clearly Syncope Symphony have infiltrated the entire school, although to what end is still unclear. Musical references abound across the entire piece so far, and we know the marching band is among the most affected. We get a mention of the director, who seems to be running things. The next part of the tale is written from Lee's perspective, as he walks through the empty school. Apparently he was left behind, as everyone else had been taken out to play. Lee believed that syncope would always have a place for his percussion, and it's clear that his existence revolves around music and rhythm. The school was reorganized into these six populations, and each was given their own positions in the school whatever that entails. Lee says that he can feel syncope in his sinews, and it's pushing him forward, apparently controlling him. He seems to be resisting it, though. He's punished by whatever force is behind syncope, and his body is thrown to the ground, an icy bubble welling in his chest, pressing against him until he finally passes out. During that time, the foundation apparently arrived on the scene, presumably after the first activation of SCP-332, and they find Lee. Amnestics are applied, but Lee is now struggling with the absence of the melody and tune he had grown accustomed to hearing. Syncope can still barely talk to him in his mind, but it's quickly fading. Lee begins crying, desperate to hear the tune again but the amnestics are kicking in, and he's forgetting it all. Syncope leaves him with one final statement. We won't forget you. The next interlude is written from one of Lee's friends' perspectives, about a road trip a group of them took before the anomalies really kicked in. They're driving on a flat stretch of empty road for what seems like ages, but the first house they come across, the driver, Rusty, speeds past. He says that he has bad memories of the place, but the writer insists you can't have memories of things you've never seen. They say that Rusty has the nerve to not let anyone else drive, but then the writer can't remember if Lee ever drove or not. Apparently, they then left Rusty somewhere, and when they came back, he was gone. This interlude ends by saying, The car is longer now. I don't know how, but I do. The lights in my teeth are getting brighter, and the eyes of my light are brighter. I'm sharp." The final part of the tale is once again from Lee's perspective, and it seems some time has passed from the culminating events at the high school. Lee now has his own home, and he dropped out of college, saying that the environment was just too hostile. He has a job at a bank, entering data, and he can barely pay his bills. Checking his mail, he finds a red envelope with no return address, and is apprehensive about opening it, although he's not entirely sure why. Finally, he opens it, finding only a polaroid photograph. It was a picture taken during their road trip in 1976, featuring him and two of his friends. He says it wasn't a particularly exciting trip, but Kirk Lonwood had been one of the last times he had been happy. A thought interjects in his mind that he should have stayed home with them. He finds a message on the back, reading, We've had a great year, haven't we? Hope to see you again soon. Love, Cindy. Clearly, Lee is holding SCP-1423 which we can now say is a photo of Lee and his friends. As expected, Lee begins to have dreams of that road trip, his last summer vacation in high school. The next day he continues to reminisce and think about that trip, wondering where they had actually gone. Although he originally planned to toss the polaroid, he later decided to keep it, just in case. He believes that his entire senior year was a blur, keeping in mind that his memories had been erased, but that summer was a golden moment where nothing mattered and you could do what you want. He begins to bask in nostalgia, the effects of 1423 settling in. He reflects on Cindy and band, and wondered where he had met Cindy. A memory comes rushing back to him, tied to one word, syncope. The rest of his memories begin piecing together as he scrambles out of his bed, wondering how could he have forgotten syncope. A buzzing sound grows in his head as his skull throbs in pain, blood streaming down his nose. He remembers that syncope would remember him, even if he forgot. It ends with a note from syncope, saying that it knows the people it affects are unhappy, but they have all been playing roles towards a singular goal, a grand symphony. The epilogue to the tale is another picture, of four individuals with distorted faces standing over someone sleeping in bed. The caption reads, we aren't going to forget you. The overall narrative of the class of 76 is loose, and you shouldn't expect a specific explanation for all of these scps and events. It seems though that there's an anomalous organization, or force, called syncope that is working to infect as many people as possible, specifically young people, in order to accomplish some sort of goal. Their existence is intrinsically tied to music and sound, but memory is also just as important. The tale is directly connected to the marching band scp, the polaroid scp, and the yearbook SCP but that still leaves 2316. Well, on the surface you might think that the class of 76 is isolated to a single school, the kirk Lawnwood High School, 2316 shows that the effect is far wider in scope than that. The effects clearly come in different forms, but ultimately it's all tied together with memory. I mentioned earlier that syncope was referenced in SCP-3935, this thing a quiet madness made, written on a bag carried by a student no one recognized. This could have just been included as a nice reference, except that the events of scp-3935 occurred in April of 1976. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention scp-4833, the syncope symphony. 4833 is the designation for a group of organized reality benders that go by the name of syncope symphony, and have experimented on youth for decades as part of an unknown goal they refer to as a state of harmony. SCP-4833 is an interpretation of the class of 76 canon, and it's long enough to warrant its own separate video. As it is, this video should have shed enough light on the class of 76 to pique your interest. While many of us likely weren't in high school in 1976, most of us can relate to the feelings of nostalgia and happy memories. And in the end, that's what class of 76 represents, not a story,